Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring him pleasure. Happy musing. I've been noticing in the Bible, uh, actitudes, I call them Christian actitudes. Everybody say actitudes. Actitudes, it's a wiggedism that is a combination of attitudes and actions. That's right. You see how attitudes lead to actions? I call them actitudes. A lot of lists in the New Testament about them. You know, the Bible doesn't just talk about actions, it talks about attitudes. You got an attitude? It talks about your attitude. But it doesn't just talk, because it talks about the attitude behind the action. It doesn't just talk about the attitude behind the action. It also talks about the action in front of the attitude. It's not just one or the other. Because a lot of people think if I have the right attitude, it doesn't matter what I do. Or if I do the right things, it doesn't matter what my attitude is. But the Bible addresses them both. And that's why we'll put them together as actitudes. Actually, the Spanish word, one of the reasons I thought about this word, actitude, the Spanish word for attitude is actitude. I don't know why, but it is. Mark Toback and I uh, were praying for a friend in a kind of an unusual way recently. It was a month or two ago, and we have a mutual pastor friend who uh, was in some trouble. And he was having some personal uh, trouble, some personal physical trouble, some, a bunch of trouble in the church that he pastors. And he was having a real strategic, very hard meeting with some uh, brothers and sisters. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, go over to their church building in San Jose and walk around it and pray. Not for anybody to see. I mean, not for anybody to see, but just go do that. And I needed somebody to agree with in prayer. And so I asked Mark, and Mark couldn't go with me. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll bring my phone. And as I'm marching, we'll talk on the phone and we'll agree in prayer together. Uh, for, these, for this brother of ours and for the church that he pastors and the people and the strategic situation that he's in. And uh, while we were praying, this passage came to my mind, this one out of James chapter 3. Uh, and I started to pray this, uh, that wisdom, Lord, that comes from heaven, it's first of all pure. Let there be purity in this meeting they're having right now. Let there be purity in the church, purity in my brother's life. Lord, and then it's peace-loving. Oh, God, may there be peace-loving people, not controversy and anybody that likes to fight. Oh, subdue that and replace it with the actitude of peace-loving. Oh, Lord, let them be considerate toward, toward each other. And, uh, and this is the Greek word epiakis that we've talked about before. Let them be epiakis around each other. Then, let them be considerate and submissive and straightforward with each other. Oh, Lord, let this be a situation where there is full of mercy, the room be full of the mercy of God, and that they'll be merciful with each other, not judgmental. And let there be the room be full of good fruit, too, that they would have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and that other list of actitudes in Galatians 5. And let them also be uh, impartial and not think uh, uh, that one group or one situation or one thought pattern or whatever is better than the other and, and be judgmental of each other. And Lord, let them be sincere in the way that they treat each other today. And it just seemed to be a, a good uh, kind of a scaffolding, a good outline for prayer for this situation. 
And uh, then I came back to uh, a, a meeting among our elders, and I just felt like this was a, a word from the Lord to us. This passage, these actitudes, uh, because of some things that we were dealing with right then, and, oh, Lord, help us. So we prayed, oh, Lord, help us to have these actitudes in, in the way that we approach this situation and all of our situations. Um, so I've been meditating on this for a couple of months, this passage, and it's been real meaningful. I just thought I'd share it with you a little bit. Let's go back to the passage and read it together. You ready? Let's read it out loud. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere." Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. If you want to look on the inside of your bulletin, grab the half sheet there. Make a couple of notes if you want to. And let's talk about bad actitudes first, what they're like. Do you see what bad actitudes are like in that, in that paragraph? What are bad actitudes like? What are they like? They're like envy. What kind of envy, Dale? <clears throat> Bitter envy. And what else is it like? Selfish ambition, fill those things in. Bitter envy, selfish ambition. Now, actually, interestingly enough, at least I'm interested, the word envy here is actually the word zealous. And so bitter zeal and selfish ambition. See, zeal and ambition are good things. Zeal and ambition are good things. But if you put bitter or selfish on them, they're not so good, right? Selfish, or I should say bitter zeal. I think some people are zealous for causes and even for God out of a bitterness that they have that they haven't dealt with. And so they come into life, into situations out of a bitterness and they're just going to overachieve everybody else because they're really, really motivated by bitterness rather than love for God. So we need to deal with the bitterness, right? So the bitterness, uh, the bitter zeal. And then the selfish ambition, it's great to be ambitious. It's just when you're selfish, when your addiction is addiction to self, that you are the uh, focal point of the universe, that's not a good thing. So selfish ambition, that's what bad attitudes are like. What do they produce? Did you notice in this passage what they produce? What do bad attitudes produce? Disorder and every evil practice. So chaos and a bunch of evil deeds. So if you have a bad attitude, a bad attitude leads to chaos, bad relationships, and all kinds of evil deeds. Where do they come from? Where do these bad attitudes come from? Of the devil, where else? Say it again. Earthly. And then one other. They're unspiritual. Do you see that? Earthly, unspiritual of the devil. Earthly, meaning uh, the, the system and the motivation and the sources of just that you get on here on earth. Read, read Ecclesiastes again. Uh, because if you do, you'll see it's a, the, it's a book about above the sun versus below the sun. 
And he says, below the sun, there isn't any good. There's all vanity. Everybody's mean. But above the sun is where we get our resource and where we get our, our motivation and our strength to live right. But earthly, unspiritual, unspiritual. The Holy Ghost has nothing. The Holy Spirit has nothing to do with this. Do you know it's pretty easy to sound spiritual but not be spiritual? There's a lot of people that sound spiritual but aren't very spiritual at all. It's not motivated by the Holy Spirit. And then of the devil, let's say that, of the devil. Let's say it again, of the devil. Of the devil, that can't be good. That can't be a good thing. Attitudes that are inspired by the devil himself. I mean, is it possible that Satan is inspiring an attitude that you have right now toward your wife, toward your husband, toward your friend, toward your boss? Is it, in, is it possible that the, Satan is inspiring an attitude that you've embraced as yours toward somebody else right now? Um, let's talk about the good attitudes. You want to? I do. Uh, so we will. And what are they? Uh, what's the first one? He tells us. The first one is pure. He says, it, let it be first of all pure. Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. I don't think that's a literary device when he says, first of all, hognos, not hagendos. Hognos is first of all hagendos. No, first of all, hognos is first of all. I don't think that's just a literary device. I think he means if you don't start here, then it, all the other attitudes won't necessarily be Christian attitudes. If you don't start with purity, and purity means lack of mixture, that your motive is right, that your heart is right before God, and it all starts right there. It has to start with purity. Is purity an action or is it an attitude? Yes, it is. It's got to be both. It's an attitude, purity. What's the next one? Peace loving. Loving peace. Loving peace. Peace loving. Uh, Erechaneus is uh, uh, peace loving and it's not contentious. You know, some Christians really like to fight. They really get a, a, a zing out of fighting with other Christians uh, or non Christians. They love to fight. Um, but that's not a Christian attitude. They're, they're contentious. Even when they're fighting for peace, they do it in an aggressive, contentious way. It's kind of like the peace activist that hurts people while he's demonstrating for peace, for nonviolence, but does it in a violent way. Do you love peace? Do you love having? I think a lot of times we like to win arguments and walk away feeling as though we won the argument, but you can win the argument and lose the soul, right? So I think that's a, a factor. Um, I, we want to be able to debate in such a way as to draw a person in, not push a person away. Does that make sense? So we don't want to be combative kind of people, but peace-loving people. What do you love? Do you love peace? This third one is a word we've seen before, and it's about epiacus. It's the word that we talked about a, couple of, about a year ago, maybe. Consider it. It's like the little kid who prayed, Lord, make the... The nice people good and the good people nice. Do you remember what epiacus means? What does epiacus mean? Consider it. What else does it mean? Does anybody remember? Speaking the truth in love. It focuses on the love part of speaking the truth. Yeah, right on. Yes, Dale. Temperate. 
not legalistic, not letter of the law-ish. Uh, Epiakis is it's a, it's a people come first attitude. Do people come first for you or does the rule or regulation come first? There are better things in the world than rules and regulations. Somebody say amen. Um, there are people in the world and there's God in the world and, and, and it's learning how to make allowances and uh, being a nice person, <laughs> kind person. Cool that James told us this, by the way, because James seems to come across very straightforwardly at times. You know, little things like you adulterers and adulteresses know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. You know, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. But he also tempers it with Epiakis. And that teaching is called About Epiakis, if you want to listen to it sometime. The next one I was praying for our brothers in San Jose about was being submissive or eupethes, which means to easily entreated, approachable, willing to listen, not stubborn, rigid, inflexible, but teachable. Listen to what Proverbs says about teachability. The Proverbs says a bunch about it, you know. It says, he who hates correction is stupid. That's in the Bible. It also says, he who hates correction uh, will die. It also says, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult with the wise. Whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Do you have this attitude of, of uh, teachability, of submissive, meaning not stubborn and set in stone? Do you ever go to a, an interaction with somebody that you know you have an, a disagreement about and you go feeling as though, I, I, I have no aspiration to listen, to, be, ch to change my opinion. It's all about me changing their opinion. You ever have a family meeting and have one of those have the attitude, and so everybody in the family meeting comes to the table with that attitude. Is that helpful? I don't think so. We need to each come with a, you're my brother, you're my sister. Maybe you have something to add that I don't see. Maybe I have a blind spot. I love to, you know, a brother that told me one time, he said, I don't have any blind spots. I said, I, I've just made my point. What's the next one? What does he say after that? Full of mercy. Is that just like a little splash of mercy for emergencies? Full of mercy. Splashing out all over for, uh, you know, as a lifestyle. Full of mercy. Now, here's what I call easy mercy or earthly mercy. Easy mercy. This is easy mercy. I think anybody can have this kind of mercy. And that's when you have compassion for somebody who is unjustly treated. You watch the news about people in Africa that have been in the Sudan or in Nigeria and they're unjustly treated. I read, uh, heard the other day about one of the African nations where the 83-year-old president, his people are absolutely dying by the thousands and two and a half million are displaced and he's having a birthday party and charging them millions of dollars, right? So that's, it's easy, it's easy for me to have compassion on these people. That's easy mercy. Full of mercy, I think, is the kind of compassion where it's somebody's fault that they're in their situation. Do you have that kind of mercy? Are you full of mercy where if it's their fault and they're suffering for it, you don't cackle about it, but you actually have hope for their restoration and their pardon? See, that's different kind of mercy, full of mercy. 
See what I'm saying? What's after full of mercy? Good fruit. Good fruit. In other words, mercy doesn't just stop with, I feel sorry for you, but it leads to action. How many of you are glad that God's mercy leads to some action on his part? He doesn't just say, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Just good luck with that. But it's him then doing something about the things that he has compassion about. Goes beyond sympathy. What's the next one? Impartial. Impartial. Let's say that. Impartial. Adiakritos means impartial, and it's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. It actually means unambiguous, not shifty like a politician. Somebody who is, you know where they stand, and you know where you stand with them because they don't speak out of both sides of their mouth. Their yea is yea, and their nay is nay. They're unambiguous. They're clear about what they believe, and so it's easier for you to have a relationship with them because you, you can predict somewhat, to some degree, the way that they'll respond because they're not shifty depending. I used to have a chameleon when I was uh, like nine years old, and his name was Charlie. And I bought him at Woolworths and Char for a quarter, and you put Charlie on something brown, he turned brown, and something green, he turned green, and something red, at least not quite red, but you know, the, the basic colors. And so sometimes people are like that. They're ambiguous. You can't predict them. Well, impartial is like the opposite of that, where they have convictions and they're, uh, you're capable of knowing where you stand with them. Isn't it nice to have uh, relationships with people like that? It's an actitude. And then the last one is sincere. 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 Now this one means straightforward. It means no pretense, no ulterior motives, not hypocritical. They're not a poser. They're not posing as a nice guy, a nice gal. They're not posing as a Christian. They're acting out their Christianity. They're straightforward, no pretense. Nothing is up their sleeve. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that leads to actions. Okay, there you go. Now, so if we took a little pop quiz right now, uh, would you pass it? You probably would all pass knowing these terms. You look at them, you remember most of them, you'd probably pass it. I'm not really talking about knowing them. I'm talking about having them. That's what the quiz is. It's kind of like the guy that uh, gets on the job and they say, you know, we do random drug testing. And he goes, that's not a problem. I know all of my drugs. <laughs> and and uh, they, no, they don't want to know if you know about the drugs. Uh, they want to know if you have them inside you. So I don't really want to know if you know these terms. The Holy Spirit wants to know if you have them inside you. Yeah, first of all, pure. <laughs> then peace-loving. Are you peace-loving? Do you love peace? I mean, pursue peace. Are you epiacus? Are you considerate? Are you kind? Are you, or are you legalistic and, and push the law before you see people? Are you submissive or teachable? Do you listen to people? Are you full of mercy or just have a little splash of it over here for emergencies? 
Are you full of good works, doing things? It's an attitude that leads. I have an attitude that leads to actions of good, good fruit, I should say, good fruit. Are you impartial? Are you, is it clear where you stand and you'll always treat people uh, commensurate to your convictions? Are you sincere? Are you straightforward or are you a poser, a Christian poser? What do these produce? What, is the, what does the scripture say there? They, they produce a harvest of righteousness. I'm a, you want a harvest of righteousness? Well, that's where you get it. Where do they come from? Where do these attitudes come from? What's it say? They come from heaven. Wisdom that comes from heaven. Jesus came from heaven and depicted all of these attitudes. He died. He went to the grave. He rose again. He ascended to the Father. And now he's available to come and live inside us and live these actitudes through us as a live-in Savior and live these actitudes in us and through us as a live-in Savior. He says they come from heaven. So that's where we'll get them. Our Father, which art in heaven, give us this day our need for more epiacus. God Almighty, help me to have more love for peace. Have you ever seen one of these? Anybody fly? Anybody have a pilot's license? Have you ever seen one of those, Gene? It's an attitude indicator. No, 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 it's not an altitude. It's an attitude indicator, isn't it, Gene? An attitude indicator, this is literally what it's called. An attitude indicator doesn't give you the altitude. It gives you whether or not you're pitched right or left or forward or back because oftentimes you can't see the earth and you have no point of reference. You're in the middle of the sky with clouds below you or in bat or in the middle of clouds. It's literally called an attitude indicator. Now, who is our attitude indicator? Pastor Barney. No, uh, our attitude indicator is the Holy Spirit. When you received Jesus, how many of you had this incredible and uncanny and inexplicable sense that somebody was checking from inside you for the first time your attitudes? You know what I'm saying? Whoa, I'm inhabited. You know, I'm inhabited by God. Our attitude indicator. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to check our attitude. Now, the reason it's called attitude is because the word attitude also means position. In fact, if you're, of course, I know so much about ballet. There is a position called the attitude, right? Somebody, anybody know about that? It's you take, you take an attitude. It's a position. So an attitude that's positional, it's the, it's the what is this, a we're saying, Holy Spirit, check my attitude. Let's go, let's go.